0: Today, on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is for you with every sunrise. The Jewish people have experienced here a failure or a breakdown or a compromise that threatens their survival and the breach for you note takers was a spiritual and moral failure that's what the breach was the jewish people had compromised themselves in many ways and they had become weakened by a moral decay and by a spiritual failure that not only jeopardized their national security but also their standing with god in effect
0: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, you see that the Jewish people allowed sin into their lives, driving a wedge between them and God. The prophets lied. The priests didn't correctly teach right verses wrong, and they profaned God. Today, Pastor Gary will show you that Ezekiel stood in the gap to tell the people of their sins and to help bring them closer to God, much in the same way that Jesus stands in the gap between you and God on your behalf. If God was looking for willing people to stand in the gap, would He see you? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ezekiel chapter 22 as he begins his message, Stand in the Gap.
1: take our Bibles. We're going to continue in the book of Ezekiel in Ezekiel 22. That's the chapter we're going to be looking at today. I'm going to read starting at verse 23, the section starting at verse 23, and down through the end of verse 31. So Ezekiel 22, starting at verse 23, says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, her being the nation of Judah, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people, they have taken treasure and precious things, they have made many widows in her midst. Verse 26 Her priests, underline the word priests, have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean, and they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. Verse 27, her princes, underline that word, princes, in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. Verse 29, the people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger, so... I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. Let's pause there and pray. Somewhat of a chipper Father's Day teaching, you know, as you can imagine. Anyway, we're going to make our way through this let's pray lord thank you for your grace in our lives and thank you for this passage as heavy as it is we pray that we would glean much from it today and that you would speak to our hearts on this father's day thank you for being our father in heaven who loves us and sent your only son jesus to die for us we give you praise glory and honor today in your house we love you in jesus name and everybody said amen The key verse in today's study from the passage I just read is verse 30. So if you'll circle back and look at verse 30 again, I'm going to read it. God says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Uh, This is a figurative passage here, figurative language describing a gap in a wall that needs to be built. And the word gap can literally also mean breach. In fact, if you have an ESV Bible, it says the word breach instead of the word gap. A breach is some kind of a compromise or failure or weakness that threatens something else of value. We use the term breach in different ways, even in modern conversations. For example, we might reference a breach in a dam, which is a compromise in the integrity of the structure of a dam. Maybe there's a crack in it, maybe water is already leaking, and that compromise threatens the community below the dam. If the dam breaks, then a community of people are going to be in great danger. We also understand the phrase, a breach of security. Anytime there is some compromise or weakness or failure in protecting something or someone There's a breach in security. There's also the term a breach of contract. Uh, That's when someone fails to perform any promise of a contract. Uh, There's a compromising of the terms of the agreement. That's breach of contract. And of course, we're also familiar with the phrase that is often used. In fact, just this week in the news, another data breach. Data breach. Uh, this week in the news, it was reported a data breach in the medical field with LabCorp and Quest Diagnostics. They reported identity theft affecting 20 million patients. And so they say you're going to be getting a letter if it affects you. According to the Identity Theft Resource Center, by the way, there were 1,244 breaches among different companies or corporations just last year. And that exposed nearly 447 million records of people. The medical and health care sector accounted for 29% of those incidences. So the term breach is something we understand just by way of a working definition for the purpose of our Bible study. We're talking about a breach, meaning a compromise, a weakness, a breakdown, or a failure that jeopardizes something else of value. And that is the meaning behind the word used here in verse 30. I'm going to read verse 30 again. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap, in the breach, before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. What God is telling us here through the prophet Ezekiel is that Israel has made herself vulnerable, that she has actually invited God's judgment upon her because of various compromises and failures and weaknesses as a nation. The Jewish people have experienced here a failure or a breakdown or a compromise that threatens their survival. And the breach, for you note-takers, was a spiritual and moral failure. That's what the breach was. The Jewish people had compromised themselves in many ways, and they had become weakened by a moral decay and by a spiritual failure that not only jeopardized their national security, but also their standing with God, in effect. And everyone was to blame. Everybody bore some responsibility in the breach that had been created that was in essence, a gap between themselves and God. Their national moral decay and their spiritual failure had created this breach, and they were vulnerable. The wall had been broken, and thus they were all culpable. And so God starts with naming various groups of people that are responsible for this breach, and he begins in verse 25 by calling out the prophets. Notice again in your Bibles, verse 25 where he says the conspiracy of her prophets, that's why I asked you to underline these various words as we were reading through the verses. The Hebrew word is navi. He's calling out the prophets and he says in verse 25, the conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. In other words, God is saying here that the false prophets of Israel in the day are Compared here to lions, that all they do is prey on people. They are guilty of taking advantage of them and devouring them for personal gain, rather than what they should have been doing is serving them and warning them with the Word of God. And so, Because they were negligent in their responsibilities, God says there that they have taken treasure and precious things. In other words, they took advantage of the people monetarily. In other words, they pillaged people out of their possessions for personal gain. He says something else about the prophets further down in verse 28. If you'll take a glance again at verse 28, where he says, her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying... Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. So the prophets in the day were also guilty of false visions. That's what he says here in verse 28, of lying divinations. Divinations is when, you know, they were trying to divine or discern the intent of God, and they were lying about these things. They were lying about visions that they said was from the Lord. They were lying about divinations. They were misrepresenting God by saying, thus says the Lord, when God wasn't speaking at all. And so th- these are the kind of things that they were doing. You know, certainly God can speak to people. But when people go around saying, well, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, and they say, thus says the Lord concerning you, and God hasn't told you concerning you, you know what I'm saying? Be leery and be cautious of people who go around just, well, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. Because in Ezekiel's day, people were going around saying that, and God hadn't spoken through them. We have to be wise and discerning. Even in our day, when people go around touting, well, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that. Okay, maybe he did. But we need to be cautious about receiving those kind of things. And if God hasn't spoken to you about it, listen, everybody who comes into your life says, well, the Lord told me to tell you this about you. If it's not a confirming word, you ought to be really praying about that and not acting on it until God shows you the same thing, or maybe God will show you otherwise. And this is the reason why God says, these false prophets going around with these lying divinations and these false visions and saying God said and God didn't say, he said they are like, he uses this term here in verse 28, they're like plastered walls with untempered mortar. In other words, they're all bricks, and they don't really have good mortar to hold the whole thing together. Their prophecy sounded good, but they were as useless as a wall without good mortar. And so not only does God call out the prophets here, in verse 26, he calls out the priests. That's another word I asked you to underline as we read through verse 26 is the Hebrew word kohen. These are the spiritual leaders of the day. In modern terms, we would say pastors. He's calling out the spiritual leaders of the nation. In verse 26, when he says her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and unholy nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. This is what God says here. And so he's calling out the spiritual leaders of the day, and he says, they have failed to distinguish, because they don't teach properly, the difference between holy and unholy things. And they have not differentiated between the clean and the unclean. In in generalities, what God is saying here is they've been negligent in their duties and in their calling as spiritual leaders of the day because they have failed to instruct the people of God from God's word concerning the difference between what is right and what is wrong. You know, there are actually some things in the world, friends, that are right and some things that are wrong irrespective of the way that now kind of our culture is trending in this direction of your right is whatever you want your right to be, and whatever's wrong is what you want your wrong to be, but my right and my wrong, like we're living under variable terms. It is either true or it is false, but to try to make up one's own definition for what is right and what is wrong, that's just nonsense. And what God says here is that the responsibility of the spiritual leaders in the nation of Judah, and it's no different for what he calls pastors and spiritual leaders to do today, is to teach people the truth of God's words that they might be able to distinguish God's standard, knowing then what is right from what is wrong. And the people were not being treated in a right way because the priests, the pastors, were not instructing them. In the right way concerning the word of God and thus God says at the end of verse 26, I am profaned among them God says I'm profaned among the people because they're not being taught what is right and what is wrong The word profane is from two latin words profanum. pro means Outside or in front of and fanum is the latin word for temple. They have profaned me They have cast god out of the temple Where instead of teaching the people how sacred and holy and righteous and just God is, to revere him, worship him, and respect him, they've just profaned him. They've thrown him out of the temple. They haven't given him his rightful due in regards to who he is. And thus, the people didn't understand the worth of God because the spiritual leaders had not been teaching them the Word of God. You and I will not really understand the immeasurable, magnificent worth of God unless we understand and know the Word of God. And the neglect of teaching the Word of God in the nation of Judah is something that plagues churches today, and thus plagues our own nation today. I say this to challenge myself as well as every other pastor in our country. If pastors don't teach the truth of God's Word, live the truth of God's Word, and lead people in the truth of God's Word, our nation is in big trouble. Our nation is in big trouble. I get asked sometimes, aren't you afraid that if you're too truthful, you're going to lose people, people are going to leave the church? I get asked that every once in a while. Aren't you afraid people are going to leave the church if you're too truthful? Here's the truth. I'm more afraid of what God thinks if I don't. That's the truth. I'm more afraid of what God thinks if I don't. I had a lady come up to me many months ago and say, you know, I almost didn't come to your church because it's a mega church." and her impression of a lot of mega churches is, you know, they just teach fluffy sermons to get a lot of people. So I almost didn't come. She goes, I was shocked. I was pleasantly surprised when I came and you actually teach the truth kind of in a bold way and that the people actually like hearing that. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but make no mistake about it. Some don't and some leave. It's okay. I mean, you know, a few months ago when I called out the governor and some of the legislators in Virginia because of their comments about late-term abortion and post-delivery abortion. I got some emails on that. I had people give me the deuces, as Tony Clark said. Peace out. We're leaving. Okay? People come, people go. But, you know, what I find surprising is that it seems for every person who leaves because they don't like the truth, God brings two more because they hear, hey, we preach the truth around here. And um, and we preach the truth with compassion, but the truth unapologetically. See, it's possible to tell the truth in a compassionate way, but to be unapologetic about the truth. See, I believe that people in our day are actually starving for the truth. I actually hear people say, You know, I may not always like to hear it, and I may not always like to receive it, but thank you for telling me the truth. People want honesty. And I think that one of the highest forms of respect that you can show to another person is to tell them the truth. And I think one of the highest forms of respect to God is when God's people are walking in the truth. And God calls out the pastors and the priests of Ezekiel's day. And we should be warned as well that He wants His truth to be proclaimed. And the spiritual leaders were doing a disservice to people because they were not telling them, here's what God says about what is clean and what is unclean. Here's what God says about what is holy and unholy. Here's what God says about what is right and what is wrong. They weren't doing that. And so God calls them out for it. He also calls out the princes in verse 27. It's another word I asked you to underline as we were reading through the text. The word princes in the Hebrew is sar. He's calling out now the government leaders. In verse 27, he says, Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. Now, notice here that the prophets are compared to lions tearing the prey, and here the princes are compared to wolves tearing the prey. I don't know which one is better. Do you want to be shredded by a wolf or by a lion? I don't know. I mean, maybe a lion will be quicker. It's a quicker death, but both are bad comparisons, right? The prophets are compared to lions and the Princes are compared here to wolves tearing the prey, but they're in the same boat. The princes are taking advantage of people for personal gain. They're caring more about themselves than the people they are meant to serve. We're reading here a text that is 2,500 years old. And yet, when you think about a problem in our own government today, are sometimes politicians more concerned about their own political career than they are about serving the people? When people say to me, well, the Bible's just old, isn't it? It's like, this is stuff that is happening today. Even our public servants, they're supposed to be public servants, are often more concerned about themselves than they are in serving the people. And God calls them out for it. They care more about themselves than the people they are meant to serve. And so God starts here in describing the breach, this compromise and the weakness, the moral and spiritual failures of a nation, And he lays the responsibility at the feet first of the national and the spiritual leaders. He talks about the prophets, and then he talks about the priests, and then he talks about the princes. And then lastly, he also talks about the people in general. He says they're all culpable. Verse 29, the people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppress the stranger. And so he says about the people in general that they're cheating each other, they're robbing each other, they are mistreating the poor and the needy, they are oppressing the stranger. And this is serious stuff here. By the way, Proverbs 14.31 says, he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. And can I just say something to commend this generation? Um, This generation seems to be more concerned about the poor and the needy and the oppressed than just about any previous generation. And that's a good thing. But a little caution, too. Because social justice can never be a substitute for the gospel. We need to give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, not a cup of cold water instead of Jesus' name. Social justice by itself has become a religion to many people. And, by the way, it's a real sly way that the enemy is helping people to feel good about themselves through serving others, which is a noble thing, while at the same time he's deceiving them that neither they nor the people they serve need Jesus. And it's a tactic I'm convinced that the enemy is using. Helping people to feel good about helping people can mask the deeper issue facing every human being, which is this, our sin and our need for a Savior. Sometimes social justice can mask over the deeper issues of the human heart, which is the problem of sin and the need for a Savior. No human need is greater than the need for Jesus. So if you have a burden to feed the hungry and to clothe those who are less fortunate than yourself and to be engaged in things like clean water initiatives and to serve at an AIDS clinic or to eliminate sex trafficking do it by all means do it but you better share Jesus in the process otherwise you're putting a band-aid on a dying patient and we have to make sure that Jesus is always exalted in the process of trying to help others which is such an important thing. Such an important thing.
0: Thanks for joining us today in the book of Ezekiel. This prophetic book brings not only an understanding of things in the past, but also things that are ahead. Much of Ezekiel predicts God's judgment in order for people to turn back to Him in repentance. Repentance and devotion were what God wanted then and what He wants from us now. If you're enjoying learning about God's character and plans through this book and how it relates to the here and now, we encourage you to read through the book of Ezekiel on your own. You can also listen to more of Pastor Gary's teachings on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc or download our mobile app to take them on the go. If you're looking for some additional resources to aid your time of study in the Word, visit the Teaching tab on our site for companion resources. On our website, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. We'd love for you to visit us. Find service times and directions, along with more information, at our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We're glad we were able to spend some time with you today. Join us again next time for more from Pastor Gary's verse-by-verse study in the book of Ezekiel, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know